Finding love can be tough, and building a legendary marriage isn't all that easy either, and when tragedy strikes, it can feel like your whole world is falling apart. Today's guests, Amberly and Johnny Lago, share their story of how a motorcycle accident almost ended Amberly's life, and how they've turned tragedy into triumph and inspired others. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We are Danielle and Justin, your hosts, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas time. You were just now complaining this morning that we didn't have enough eggnog in the house. Yes. Uh, we have a rule in the Williams house that eggnog shall forthwith and always be in <laughs> stock in the refrigerator from Black Friday through New Year's Day. And I we think have you just, failed. I think you just I have made failed because I, I didn't put it on the list for the, the grocery shopping. I'm pretty sure you just made that up this morning. Uh, no, no, we talked about it. We made that decision December 2001. It was what? Uh, it was Thursday, December 6th, 2001. I feel like you we were standing in our very first apartment. Remember how we had the wallpaper was peeling off, so we, yeah. we ripped it off and replaced it. Yeah. Um, and that's when you we thought standing, about eggnog. Yeah, honey. I, I really have no recollection of this conversation. I'm so sorry. What are you at a congressional hearing? You have no and, recollection of this. And also, you are very fickle in your nogging. What do you mean fickle in my nogging? You used to like real eggnog, and then you liked soy nog, and now you like no, almond I, no, 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 nog. No, no, no. I just, keep... I, no, no, no. It's not about soy or almond or... Egg. Sharpie nog or whatever it is. <laughs> it's nog. about the regular full eggnog is just like drinking someone's mucus. It's disgusting. Stop. It's delicious. It's delicious, but it's also like, I'm choking on nog. <laughs> just the word. You got to take mucus. regular nog. If you want to make pancakes with it, that's great. If you want to oh. make French toast with it, that's great. Ooh. If you want to make a milkshake with it, that's great. But just drinking it straight, the regular nog is... is what is a uh, nog, anyway? And you, you don't want to know. <laughs> Something to do you with a loogie. Hey, so uh, have you all listening heard about the seven secrets of legendary marriages? No, what are they? <laughs> wait, you're not listening. You're talking. Wait, what are you, oh, wait, I should know this. You're speaking for the people? Well, here's the deal. We put together a fan- fantastic resource for you called the seven secrets of legendary marriages. This is seven... Uh, important, myth-busting, actionable, strategic, really practical things to help you right now today um, start building a better marriage. Reclaim, recover, reignite, all of it. Legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number, secrets. Oh my gosh. So I am so excited because today on the show we have Amberly and Johnny Lago they are, a, a, this was just a great conversation. And they are such a sweet, amazing couple. 
They are an amazing couple, but honestly, the conversation kind of terrified me a bit. Sure. Because you're a motorcycle rider and... Not really anymore. Yeah, that's true. And this the story just makes me think about, like, I just have to savor every moment with you. Yeah. Like, I know this is like a terrifying thought, but like, what if this moment's our last? Well, you know, it, it's, it's an, death is an inevitability of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loss is an inevitability of, of life. And it's something that we sign up for when we get married, right? It's, it's right there in the vows till death do us part. And we don't want to think about like the risk, the, the concern that I could lose you or you could lose me, but mm-hmm. it is real. And just Amberly and Johnny's story touches on that. So it's, it's tender, um, but we laugh a lot in it too. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just... You know, it, I, I have a very pragmatic view about these things, so I, I don't want to overplay it. But you're going to fall in love with Johnny and Amberly anyway. So um, with that said, let's get right to our conversation with Amberly and Johnny Lago. We have Amberly and Johnny Lago on the po- podcast today. They are a couple who has been through it. I will tell you, um, Amberly has an amazing story that she has shared on lots of different um, outlets, like the Today Show and Parent Magazine, and all kinds of crazy, awesome places where um, she was in an accident that changed her life big time. And she was only a newlywed with Johnny at the time. And she has learned so much about resilience and physical health and everything that she is now bringing to her audience, everything that she's learned. Um, So we are so happy to have Amber Lee and Johnny on the show. You guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And um, I'm excited to say this is Johnny's very first podcast interview. Oh, yes, Johnny. I'm so glad that we get to, should we say it, that we get to pop your cherry? Oh, oh. <laughs> I was going to say it. Well, say it, Johnny girl, say it. Pro- That's Danielle's way of letting yes. you know that nothing is off limits. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that feel free We're to speak uh, freely and clearly Well, Johnny here. said that he was a self-proclaimed wild card. So we just got to know that we just got to raise that bar, you know, okay. for the, the wild card. Um, so Amberly, um, I want to know for you, you are really now about the message of resilience and toughen it out. And your podcast is even true grit, grit and grace. So you've got that grit in there. What were you like as a kid? Were you like the tough kid in your class? Growing well, you up? know what? I was such a tomboy and grew up with an older brother who made me tough because he, I was his punching bag a lot of times, oh. but you know what? It made me tough. It led me to take boxing classes in Krav Maga, and it really taught me to fend for myself and stick up for myself and for others. And so, um, you know, I, I joke around how things have changed so much, like with our kids, because when I was growing up, my grandmother would hand us a jug of water send us outside in that Texas heat, you know, hundred degree temperature oh, and hundred degrees humidity and say, have fun and lock the door. And we were, you know, left outside with a jug of water and we survived. We made it just fine. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Just the thought of that. Like we're in Austin, Texas. Oh. Like I could barely survive out well, there. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's October. 
Yeah. And, and today is the first day that it's been under like 90 degrees. I in know. A while. And we're loving so it. So we're just at the, we both grew up in Northern Ohio, Northwest Ohio. Oh. So fall is crispy weather, crispy leaves on the ground, cool nights, things like that. So like no. at this time of the year, we're, we're both just done. And Texas has none of that really. It no. really, really doesn't. Um, and I'm just wondering too, like, did you ever have a moment with your brother when you busted out that like Krav Maga experience <laughs> and like the first time that you like kicked his butt? Well, uh, you know, he was so much bigger than me. Mm. Um, I think one of the only things that I really got him was, <laughs> this is horrible for me to admit this, but I actually stuck some bubble gum in my hair and I blamed it on him. <laughs> And he got in trouble for it because no matter how hard I tried, I could not like I couldn't I couldn't hardly fend my, defend myself against him. He was huge, but I did get him in in trouble that one time with the bubble gum in my hair. I don't know if I've even ever told him or my mom that that was actually me to this day. And she, my mom, man, she was she meant business. She. We grew up with a wooden spoon to the booty. It was like, she didn't mess around. We grew up with spankings and she would grab a wooden spoon or, and I mean, I love my mom and she is a Southern belle and sweet as can be, but we had to behave or that wooden spoon came out. Yes. I have friends that have the traveling wooden spoon that they keep in their purse. She literally, are you serious? She literally carries a wooden spoon in her purse. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so if they're misbehaving in the car, boom, right back there. She just pulls it right out of her purse. I mean, these days she just like reaches over and pats the purse and the kids go. (gasps) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Just like that. Yeah. And if your fingers got in the way, if you tried to cover, oh, that was the worst. So yeah, my mom feels horrible about it to this day. So we all give her a hard time about it. Okay. How old were you? Because I know I've had this experience when all of a sudden you thought like, okay, I'm just going to like act like I'm too tough for this. And um, you know, then maybe she'll be over it and she won't do it anymore. And so if I act so tough, I know Justin, you have a story about that. I don't know how old I was then, but I just remember going, I just remember screaming back at my dad. Is that all you got old man? Oh Lord. Oh, Oh, well, I I remember running and you probably couldn't sit for a week. probably after that. Well, I mean, I won. How'd you win? I mean, I won. He gave up. He just gave up and walked away after. Wow. And you're your big smile about it. <laughs> you finally won. Now, how about you, Johnny? Like, what was your life like growing up as a kid? Did you have brothers and sisters? And were you yes, I was up the, like Amberly? Uh, I had three sisters and a younger brother. And I, we were real strict. My dad was the, uh, I mean, disobey mom. Stand by. But uh, we grew up with a lot of structure and a lot of discipline. My dad was a uh, respect foundation of our families, a lot of respect. And uh, we never disrespected our parents or my dad. We'd have to be held, my dad. So uh, rest in peace. He's passed away, He's passed away since. But uh, first and foremost was respect. My mom would say something. And if you talk back, <laughs> it'd be the last time. Okay, Johnny. So, so tell us, school. how did your uh, childhood... Um, Parallel the uh, Scarface movie. 
So you're gonna you want it up. I, yeah, I should have. Yeah, I should have never said it. Brought it up I should have never. I grew up during that era. I grew up in Miami, and uh, the uh, during the Cuban uh, crisis with Castro, when they released all those uh, thousands of uh, prisoners, they flooded into the streets of Miami, and that movie is truly a depiction, a true depiction of what the streets were. And I was in my early teens growing up and lost a lot of my friends to the cartels because it was easy money. Mm. And what truly saved my life was I joined the military. My dad got me in the military because it's so easy. I, uh, there was kids my age, 16, 17 years old, driving around with Corvettes, Cadillacs back in the day. Uh, the lure, the cash was insane. It truly is a true depiction of the streets of Miami. Well, so yeah. those those of us that aren't familiar with the whole Scarface You've never movie, seen Scarface, I Danielle? maybe have not ever seen oh it. Oh my gosh, she's also it, never. It's seen true. Scarface. It's true. I, I lived those ages. I'm grateful to God. I, I think I'm alive. So how, what did that look like for those of us that are ignorant, like me? Like, <laughs> what, what is the depiction of it? It's brutal and greed. You know, supersedes everything. It's all about greed, money, the highest power, and there's no value in human life. I was losing friends weekly but because I, of the lore was so easy to get into it. I mean, we were in, uh, I remember I just uh, 11, 12 juniors, seniors in high school, and our friends would be pulling up to high school with brand new Corvettes, Nissan, Nissan 280Zs. I'm taking you way back now. Brand new cars. Yeah, okay, back in the day. So we're going, wow, I want that. And next thing you know, you're caught up in it. And the, the there's no regard for life. Just mm. is it drugs and addiction and the whole no, thing? No, no, we're not talking addiction. We're talking just the moving. We're not, we never, my friends were never addicts. We just got in, they got into the transportation yeah. to be in the body, being around the wrong people. And uh, it, it, it got really ugly. And like it, he he's told me about how, there was a time when he could make a decision of he could go that route and could have easily become a criminal or go the other route. And, you know, he became in law enforcement and he's told me about so many of his friends that he's lost. Cause yeah, it was, I'm sure very a, alluring to see the quick and easy money, you know, the, uh, there's a scene in Scarface where there's a shooting, well, they're playing shootings at a club. I, I lived through that. I was in clubs and they come in the cartels to just shoot it up. And it's funny because you fast forward 30 years and all these mass shootings. But to me, that's not new. That was a new normal. It's always been a new normal. You'd be in a club and you'd always be careful. But uh, that's what I grew up with. And it, it gave you a perspective in life to appreciate life. Mm. And that uh, we're all expendable. Mm. I've, uh, I lost a lot of friends, close friends. And I go, wow. What? So I'm glad I joined the military. I joined the military. My dad... Uh, had a par partial scholarship uh, uh, for Penn State because I was an origin. I was national champion at the time. But uh, my dad just, uh, I'm, I'm glad. He, you know, you listen to your parents, right? And, and I kept saying, no, no. But I joined the Navy and I have no regrets. What was that conversation with your dad? Because <clears throat> he knew. Like my dad was old school. My yeah. dad came over with the Bay of Pigs. I'm taking you back now, decades. He was part of that. My dad was an engineer for Eastern Airlines. He came over from Cuba. They were exiled with, with my mom. My background is Cuban. And uh, my dad came over with nothing. My dad lost everything, my parents. So uh, he put himself through school. But uh, he all true, also lost a lot of friends with the Bay of Pigs. If you're familiar with that invasion with Kennedy. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so my dad remembered, he saw me going that route. And uh, so he inter intervened and basically said, uh, this is the best choice. I went into the Navy. 
to get me away from Miami. So what made you side with your dad and like join the military instead of listening to your friends? Uh, Respect. And I knew that no means love. (laughs) Mm. No means love. I'm going to remember that next time you remember that. Next time I tell (laughs) you no, it means love, honey. But uh, I knew and I knew it deep down he had the best interest was for me. And although he wanted me to go to college, I, I, I kind of fought that back then. Going to school was not a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a priority. Mm-hmm. More into sports and uh, making the easy, quick money, the cartels, the money, the drug. And I'm not talking addiction again. I want to reiterate that I'm talking about the transportation, the sales. Uh, it's just crazy. It's I, I mean, the money was just there's a scene in Scarface where the guys are bringing in duffel bags into the bank. That is true. Well, that is true. I, I've seen, I participated. That is true. You participated. I, 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 I mean, hundreds of thousands of cash that they had to wash. So growing, growing up through that gave me, a, opened up my eyes and realized life's too short. And uh, yeah. so I'm glad I got away from that. And uh, every time I visit, I'll go back to Florida and a lot of memories, all of, uh, a lot of memories and a lot of memories of the friends that I lost. But, so uh, you, you went into the Navy. Yes. And served there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And did I hear that you became, you went into law enforcement after that? Yeah, I, uh, I joined the Navy. I became a bomb tech ordinance. And then I uh, did five years and then I got out and I wanted to be an engineer, mechanical engineer. And I started working for uh, Ford aerospace. And then I realized I couldn't cut the math. (laughs) (laughs) uh, The math was just way over. I tried, but I realized, okay, this isn't, this is not my bread and butter. So uh, I had a friend in law enforcement with the highway patrol. And that was the beginning of my journey. Wow. Was the, uh, this is, I joined the patrol in July of 1988. Uh, yes, yes, it was 88. And I graduated in July of 88. And uh, I look back and it's a memory that I, I, I have no regrets. And he always tells everybody that I married him for his dental plan. And his, <laughs> my benefits. His vision yeah. plan, all the insurance benefits. <laughs> well, but I really married him because he looked good in a uniform. Yes, yeah. right. There is that too. And you could probably get out of some tickets too, right? Yes, yes. I did. I did. Yeah. I, well, I didn't use his name. Did you oh, have like God. a special card or something? I did. No. I didn't. I never used his name. Liar. But I did. <laughs> I didn't use your name, but okay. I did say I was in. I was on my way to to take my daughter to a lesson, and she goes, "Mama." catch up with that motorcycle. And I said, no, I can't speed. And she goes, oh, come on. And I'm like, okay. So I take off and I get pulled over by the cops. I thought they were going to get the motorcycle. No, they got me. And all I said was, oh, my husband's going to be so mad at me. He's a cop too. And he goes, what, what division? And I told him and he goes, okay, just slow down. And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a brotherhood. <laughs> but that's the only one. That's the only it's a, time. It's a sister and brotherhood that uh, when Amberly's uh, going back in her accident, it's a family. We have no family here. Now. We live in Woodland Hills, and we have a lot of friends, but there's nothing like family. You know, when when, yeah. when you get deep down in grid, you you don't want to impose on your friends. You Your family, you, don't, you expect them to be there. You, there's no hesitation. Hey, I need you. But, but uh, yeah, the, my my brotherhood and sisterhood of, of fellow officers and and sisters in uniform was 
I mean, without them, I couldn't get through this through, uh, through this journey. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. Like people that I had never met, like the wives of all the police officers made a quilt for me in the blanket. They all came to see me in the hospital. They, I mean, it, it was incredible well, let's to do, see. Let's do this. I really want to get into that. that yeah. I want to get into that story and hear all about that. And I mean, I, I love that you guys have such an amazing community around you. Like that's something that we talk about all the time. And I feel like there's a lot of people that can't really put a finger or a feeling to that feeling of community yeah. of just being surrounded by whatever they are, friends, family, you know, coworkers, whatever. And it's something that people long for but they just don't have. Um, but I'm curious, you guys, how did y'all meet? So you've been married 12 years now. Like, how did you uh, catch each other's eye? I'll let her tell you that story. Oh, he always tells people that he bought me on eBay or something. I swear to God. And I'm like, that isn't even funny anymore. Highest bidder, right? <laughs> I bought her. I purchased her on the dark web. No. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he's what is the real story? The real story is he we went to this restaurant, the same restaurant for a while and I guess he had seen me and he told the restaurant owner that he wanted to meet me. So she kept telling me, "Hey, I have somebody that wants to meet you." And I'm like, "I'm just not interested." And they're like, but no, he's very respected in the community. And I'm like, ah, no. And, and couldn't say enough good things about him. And I was like, ah, no. And she kept on me about it. He really wants to meet you. So one day I went in there. I was like sweaty, baseball cap on, no makeup, kind of like I am today. <laughs> and and I told her, I said, you know what? Maybe I will meet him. I think maybe I'm ready to meet somebody. And Right after that, here she comes walking up with this good looking guy, Johnny here, and he sits down at the table and he just starts talking a mile a minute, telling me like his whole life story. And can I get your number? Maybe we'll go out, blah, blah, blah. And he was talking it so worked, fast. Right? Here I am. <laughs> and when he got up, the people at the table next to me looked at me and said, so is that how it's done nowadays? And I said, oh, well, I don't know. Yes, it is. Burn. Uh, yeah. And he called me before I even left the restaurant. And then he called me again as I was on my way home from the restaurant. And I swear we we started dating. And he came over and he just never left. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he just kept talking. And you thought he would stop I, at some uh, point, keep, but he I, never stopped. <laughs> One of the running jokes I use is I tell folks she married me because of my benefits. Yeah. It's my dental benefit and my vision plan. <laughs> no. You know what he did, though? He used to pull me over in the cop car. Well, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God. Can oh, he can say that now. That's your flirting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. You know, Maybe he didn't it, know it, it was, was uh It was truly, uh, we've been through some failed marriages, both of us. We had a lot of similarities. They paralleled. Uh, and I, I remember uh, I was going through my second my second failed marriage, and uh, I did a lot of reading. You do a lot of soul searching, and you find yourself uh, just desperate to get into another relationship sometimes because uh, you don't. So want to- when I found out that he was going through a second divorce, I was like, you know what, dude, you come yeah. back with the the paper in your hand that it's done he goes but i've been separated for a year i said nope come back when you have that paper in your hand and then i'll think about it 
So I'm getting back to what I was saying. <laughs> Sorry. I had to just say that's very important. Something that I did. I did a lot of reading, a lot of soul searching, going to church. I mean, what everybody, you know, when you're deep down, when you, you really have to fall hard to wake up and realize what the hell am I doing? Yeah. And I remember reading one of the books. Uh, oh, my God. What was it? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. I read that book sure. about four. But there was a passage in there that said, uh, when you least expect it, is when you're going to find that's when you're going to find the person of your dreams and it's true because i wasn't planning on meeting amberly i was planning going in getting a couple of chicken tacos and uh next thing you know here we are so i'm 13. the woman of your dreams yeah 13 years later and, uh, but we had so are. many we had a lot a lot of things in common <laughs> a lot of similarity yeah and i truly believe you have to have that she we were both held nuts active very active uh, and that's a big part of my life being active uh I'm not a big baseball or football guy. I'd rather go to the gym or just being outside. And she was my my opposite. I'm not opposite my my attraction. My uh, my par- she paralleled everything that I wanted to do. Mm. So here we are, and so we've I had would, our challenges. Believe yeah. me, every, every marriage is a challenge. <laughs> well, I feel like if you've been married for more than like a hot second, you've had yeah. <laughs> some. Yeah, stuff no, it, it's a lot of work, but it should be. It should be. And uh, there's times you realize. Well, remember, this is. We had, I've had a fail. I've been, this wasn't my first rodeo. Yeah. So I learned. And as long as you learn and move forward and uh, same thing, and we've had our issues and, but our struggles. And I, I got to tell you the hardest journey was because uh, when she was in the hospital, we, I was by myself and we had Ruby. Ruby was, I believe three. Yeah. I, no, two. our oldest daughter was only two. She had just turned two. Yeah. Wow. So and it was tough. The, share the story, Amberly, if you don't mind, about your accident. You guys have referred to it a couple of times, but um, what exactly went down there? So y'all were newly married. Yeah, we were pretty newly married, and it was the first time in my life that I really felt like I was living the dream. I mean, Finally, I had you know the man in my dreams. We had we we weren't so sure we could have a child, and we had a baby, Ruby. She's a little angel most of the time. And I had my oldest daughter, Savannah, who was was she thirteen? No, she was fifteen. Fifteen at the time. And um, but my career was booming. I was doing exercise videos again. Um, I had trainers that worked for me, thank goodness. And I was on my way home from work and I was on my Harley and it was a beautiful California day, a long weekend. And I need to, I need to jump in. Uh, motorcycle was a big part of my, I was a motor sergeant at the time for the CHP. So oh. riding motorcycles for us, it was a big, big outing. We, I mean, it was big. Guns. That's what we did for fun. Like if we had a date night, we would get on our motorcycle and go for a ride. It was amazing. That- Talking about a, it was amazing. It was a quality time. And that's another reason I married him because he had a Texas chopper, and I was like, <laughs> okay, he must be okay. Um, <laughs> don't, you, don't you think it like resets your soul? So Justin, we actually don't have a bike right now, but yeah, that's a, us too. Like the date. Um, you know, I get on the back, we go out to like, oh, wow. go okay. so you guys or, are riders. Okay. So you know what I mean? Yeah. That when yeah. it just, there's, I can't explain it. It's that it's freedom. A freedom, the freedom, it's, it's freedom. It's, it's riding is like an act of worship. Yes. Very well like said. If, if you're a person of faith, like, like yes. on the motorcycle, the, you know, it's amazing that, that it's absolute focus. I have attention deficit. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> a world kind of a guy and on the bike, all that goes away. Yes. Uh-huh. And it, it was, uh, uh, 
Yeah. And, and even yeah. deeper, deeper than that is when your wife or your partner rides as well. She's right. It's just, I, I yeah. so that was a part of my life. I, I did it on the professional capacity. I was, uh, I mean, I was, just, I, I did dignitary protection for the highway patrol. I was very involved. And then on the personal life, I was a big enthusiast. And then here I met Amberly who had her own Harley. I said, oh my God. Yeah. Dream so that, so. that was that was cool. <laughs> yeah. It was really it was a big part of our life. Yeah, so I was I was on my way home from work. You know, I grew up riding dirt bikes and this was my second motorcycle and as a rider you drive defensively so you're always a, aware of everything around you and especially of people who may not see you. And so I had made eye contact. I thought I made eye contact with a guy who was getting ready to pull out. Well, he ended up shooting it out of a driveway, punching it out of a driveway, and he turned left right into me. And now we interrupt this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast to bring you a word from our sponsors, us. (laughs) All right. So we know that communication is the hardest part of marriage, right? Yeah. And the story goes something like this. You talk about the bills, crushing the chores, keeping the kids alive. But it feels like you become really good roommates, not the soulmates you were when you got married. Maybe the busyness of life and the trials and challenges of raising a family have just worn you down. Maybe you're just more comfortable having transactional conversations instead of passionate, transformational, exciting ones. Oh, the good news is that by making seven small shifts, you can get on the same page and have conversations that matter and then Infuse more intimacy and connection into your marriage. Oh, yeah. So what are those shifts? We've spent more than a decade researching and working with couples to distill down the seven most powerful shifts that couples can make to build more intimacy and connection. Nobody else is teaching this stuff at any price. And this free resource is available now at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets, the number seven secrets. And the good news is you can make these shifts, just break out of that roommate zone and transform your marriage without making your spouse sit through some boring workshop, endless counseling sessions, or sitting knee to knee naked in some weird sweat lodge, braiding each other's hair and holding hands while a bunch of people sit around staring at you singing Kumbaya. Was that just us? That Awkward. <laughs> so grab this free resource today at legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number C and start building a life, a love, and legacy together today. And now, back to the show. I didn't have time to do anything except for think, oh my God, this is really happening. I tried to, I let go of the clutch, tried to jump off my bike. I was hit immediately, immediately in pain, thrown 30 feet, and I was sliding across the asphalt. And all I could think about is, oh my God, I please don't let another car hit me. Because I couldn't tell where I was sliding. Was I, And thank goodness I was sliding in the center divider or the center lane. And when I came to a stop, the first thing I did was look down at my leg and I only looked at it once because it was that horrific. It yeah. was broken into pieces. Um, my femoral artery was severed. So there was just blood immediately everywhere and squirting out with every pulse. My foot was dangling off and I felt like my leggings were the only thing that was keeping my leg together. And it's crazy the things that go through your head because I thought, well, 
this can't be good. I may have to train clients on crutches for a while. And then I thought, oh my gosh, Johnny's going to be so mad at me because I have his brand new backpack on. I didn't ask him if I could use it today. And I had a pulled pork sandwich in the back and I thought there's going to be pulled pork everywhere. Like I didn't think about, I could die. I could bleed out right now. Yeah, I didn't really realize just how bad it could have been until people started approaching me and they were walking you know, they weren't running over to me. They were walking really slow with a horrified look. Thank God there was a man. I think, I I wish I could find this man. I don't know who he is to this day, but he made a tourniquet on my leg and he basically saved my life because I, like I said, I could have bled out. I was screaming out, you know, my husband's number. I was, I was, uh, didn't want to let go of my leg because I, felt like it was would fall off I really felt like it would fall off and paramedics got there we don't live far from I I wasn't far from home and we didn't live far from um the the fire department and Johnny got there right away and as they loaded me up in the gurney they had me taped to the gurney and everything I remember being in the back of the ambulance and trying to get some sort of um you know eye connection or answers out of the paramedics like am I going to be okay have you seen this type of thing before and nothing like they wouldn't look at me and I that's when I got really scared because I thought oh my gosh maybe this is it maybe I'm going to die and um they got me quickly to the to the hospital and like we talked about the brotherhood of the police force the ER was filled with cops, like news travels fast. So many of Johnny's coworkers or, you know, police officers and police women were there and they thought I was a cop that had gone down. There were so many people. And that's when I heard him. I'd never seen, he's such a tough guy and he's a first responder and I had never seen him break down and he was crying uncontrollably and pacing back and forth across, you know, in the ER. And I yelled across the room, Johnny, get over here now. I need you to be strong for me. And he came over and held my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before I woke up. Um, They had put me in induced coma. And when I woke up out of a coma is when they told me they were going to amputate my leg. It's hard to believe it's been that nine May of 2000. It's hard to believe it's been nine years. Wow, a lot has happened since nine years. Wow, people who are listening, if you've never ridden a motorcycle, you don't get how terrifying this story is. Like, I'm sitting here shaking. I know, I'm like grabbing his hand, like that, you know, yeah, because that that can be a reality for anybody. uh, She was struck broadside, she was struck broadside at full. Uh, acceleration, what they call it. Uh, just imagine when you pull it out of a driveway, you punch it, or basically you gas it. Yeah. And she was hit, what we call it, full momentum. And uh, she took the brunt, her leg took the brunt, and her leg was crushed between the engine, the air cleaner on the right-hand side, and the fender. But, but uh, you should see the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> I tore the bumper right, my leg tore that bumper right off that edge. Oh, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure. That's right. There's a, there's a saying in, in the community that we teach at the academy uh, when we're writing this, when somebody sees you, but they're seeing through you. I don't know if you, as if you have to, I don't know if you can relate to that. They're, they're, they're staring at you, but they're not looking at you. 
And well, I think it's hard to see they're looking through how fast a motorcycle is going. I mean, I was only going 20 miles but, an hour, but I think maybe he thought I was further away to this no, day. I'll never know because I've never heard back from him. It's it's really common in motorcycle. I mean, I haven't dealt with and investigated a lot of them. Uh, folks that I, I thought know they're seeing past you. So we teach that, especially approaching intersections, stop signs. You don't trust the stop sign. You, you guys are, are avid riders. You know what I mean? I don't trust a green light. I always slow down and look. And yeah. <laughs> yep. You know I know. What I mean. The guy I, that was my instructor when I took yes. the motorcycle rider safety course. Yes. Uh, he was a motorcycle cop. Yes. Very similar story. Yes. Like 30 years on bikes. Yes. He said some of the exact same things you're, you're talking about. You, you don't, oh, they're John? there, but you slow down. And yep. so it's, it's unfortunate, but here we are. We, we lived it. We, uh, and I always say it's our story. It's not my story because he has been there every step of the way. In fact, you know, we joke around about it now, but he always says, you don't forget that because of me, you have two legs, but no, it's, I, it, we, we can laugh funny. about it now, but they were going to amputate my leg. And Johnny was like, you aren't going to amputate her leg. I want her to wake up from a coma and I want it to be her choice. I want her to wake up with both of her legs. And he got on the the computer he googled limb salvage and he found a doctor that was willing to try to save my leg because it was it wasn't broken it was completely crushed i had compartment syndrome and um they basically described it as like a war wound and he it took an act of god but he found a doctor to try to work on it i had a one percent chance of saving it and i still have it i mean it's it's a miracle it's been a journey it's yeah. been a journey, but uh, now, Johnny, did you have any like different perspective from like a normal husband that would, you know, accompany, you know, their wife into, you know, this type of a situation? Because as a highway patrol, I'm sure you had tons of stories of seeing people in similar conditions where maybe it didn't turn out so well, or you know what, I've, I've. You, you hit a core there. True, I'm a first responder and I've seen mayhem, death, and Amber can even tell you I've been, I've dealt, I've dealt with death on the daily basis. So. He got a medal of valor. No, no, I don't want to solicit. I uh, I don't. I do. <laughs> I, I don't want to be morbid. It's like the, our soldiers are in combat. I mean, but how do you train yourself when it's somebody you care for as a first responder, when you roll up and it's somebody you love? So, yeah, I fell apart, but uh, thanks to my brotherhood and sisterhood of, uh, of fellow officers and sisters, I, I, I got myself together and I realized, hey, okay, I've got to do something. So I, I basically, I want to say I mourned for the first couple hours. Was I've got to get my act together. And I did. And that's when, uh, but yes, but uh, as, as a first responder and the millions of first responders, how do you prepare yourself for something like that? You roll up to a scene and it's somebody you love. I mean, it catches you so, I don't think you can. So yeah, it did hit me and I did break down, but then I realized, you know, I got to get my act together. And I did. And then I, so I just went into survival mode, which is what we're taught. Yeah. And unfortunately I have, uh, I've surrounded myself with a lot of close friends that are doctors, attorneys that are, that can guide me through something of like this nature, because the the easy way out would have said okay go ahead and amputate but I cho- I didn't choose that route I didn't want I knew there had to be an option and you have a leg to this day and mm-hmm. you're, are you you're still active in fitness 
Yeah, it's, it's, let me tell you, it's been hell. It's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, and they saved my leg and it's all been good. It's, I still struggle with pain on a daily basis. I had 34 surgeries to save my leg from amputation and I've been in and out of the hospital for years. I mean, my last surgery was like a year ago and I'm done with surgeries. Um, but what is that? The 34 surgeries was easy compared to living with the chronic pain that I have as a result to a diagnosis of CRPS or complex regional pain syndrome um, as a result of the trauma to the leg. And so that is something that really changed both of our lives because I, I, yes, I'm very active. I still train clients. You know, I was told when I was diagnosed with this nerve disease that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I would be permanently disabled to go back and just get in my wheelchair and keep my leg up. And I was like, well, for how long? And he was like, forever. And so I was like, screw you. <laughs> I'm going to find a doctor that's going to tell me that I don't have this because this cannot be my life. So went to another doctor. They were like, no, you have it. So I was like, well, screw you. I'm going to find another doctor that's going to tell me <laughs> that I do not have this. And so by the third doctor that right away was like, no, you have this. It still took me, I would say about a year to finally accept that, okay, this is my life. And I felt at the time defeated I felt like I wasn't the woman that Johnny married. I felt like I wasn't the mom that I wanted to be. I couldn't even chase after my own kids. And that's all I wanted to do. And I wanted to be able to work like I did before. But then I realized, you know what? What are my options? What can I do? And I focused all on everything on what I still could do and then taking action steps to make my life better every day. And, you know, it's really shifted my perspective. I think it has changed our marriage on some days it's hard and it sucks, but for the most part, it has made our bond stronger. He gets me, he always says, I know you more than you know the back of your hand or something like that. But he does know me. And he um, he's such a loving husband in that sometimes, you know, he will remind me, you need to get off your leg. You need to sit down. And as much as I'm like, I don't need to get off my leg, I'm like... Okay, you're right. You're right. No, Once again, no means love, Amberly. That's right. No <laughs> means love. <laughs> no, like you, you hit on a good point there. Is like I'm sure your relationship like had some dramatic shifts in it where mm -hmm. you guys were newly married. You have a two year old. Like you said, it was like you felt like you were like the happiest you'd ever been. You were like truly in the zone mm -hmm. and here this comes along and just, just, I'm sure like pretty much everything changed. Like, Oh my God. It was like, I had a, my house, I had a hospital bed downstairs in the middle of the living room. I couldn't even stand up. I'm talking, I was completely bedridden for months wow. and he still reminds me how he used to have to carry my bedpan for me. True <laughs> love, true love, true love right there. <laughs> 
but yeah, so it was drastically changed. My world was, our world was turned upside down and we had to figure out how to put it back together I, uh, piece by piece. I'm going to interrupt. I, I, I'm grateful to God for what I have. And I was working for an incredible agency because uh, uh, medical, you know, and every day here, you know, with the election coming up, you hear about the medical Obamacare and so forth. And I can relate to that because our doctor bills were 2.9 million. Oh my yes, so I hear he married him for his medical. But uh, I hear, hear 2.9 million and growing, and I'm going, Oh my god, how how can I, you know, I'm, I'm a cop, how am I gonna? But uh, we got through it, and uh, I we got through it. I remember getting doctor bills and liens, they leaned our property, they leaned my pension, and that's so as so while she's in the hospital, her job was to recover, my job was to keep the family together. That was truly a big challenge that I had. And I, as I said, I dug deep downside. I've got to get through this shit. And I, we did. Mm-hmm. We did. And uh, we, uh, it was a journey. It was a long journey. And uh, I mean, I was getting leans. I was getting being served because the doctors are amazing. But, you know, they, they need restitution as well. And uh, they saved their life. 34 surgeries. So when I'm grateful every day when I wake up and it breaks my heart because I know a lot of Americans, a lot of folks out there are suffering because of, of health care. It breaks my heart that and, people can't get the medication that they need yeah. because they can't afford it. And uh, if, if I can interrupt, I uh, I was telling Amberly, uh, I was mm-hmm. at the pharmacy the other day and picking up some meds. Uh, and the lady next to me couldn't afford $60. Uh, it was a pharmacy out here in L.A., Rite Aid, and uh, it broke my heart. Uh, I offered to pay. And here I'm grateful for because of my insurance they, my, I have a $5 copay. She couldn't afford 60. And once again, it puts things into perspective. And I'm so grateful to God mm. for, uh, that was a big part of the journey. Okay. She's, she's okay. My Amberly's in good hands. She's at Cedar Sinai, probably one of the best hospitals in the country. But also I was out of work for a year. Yeah. Man. Well, I thank you. And, but I, I had a, that's something I'm also grateful for the state. I, I, I left work for three months. How many people can afford to be gone for three months? Right. Um, Life goes on. I was covered at work. My bosses, the department said, we got you. Don't worry. Just take care of your family. That's what I'm talking about, a sisterhood and brotherhood of uh, fellow officers and women in uniform. And uh, three months. I didn't go back to work for three months. Most people would have lost their jobs. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that was another challenge. And so at the, my, my, my point is that I don't care how successful you are. You're not in control of your faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe your life can change. Ours did overnight. I mean, and we were ready for it. I don't. Nobody is. No. So uh, you're my faith in God, and uh, but you got to keep it together. It's hard. I so I feel for all those Americans. I mean, every day, especially with like I want to reiterate, healthcare is a big issue now. And but you, when it hits home, it's when you realize, wow, how grateful you are for the way you. You know, I don't complain. Yeah, I don't. I'm grateful to God every day when I wake up for what I've got, and I don't complain. <laughs> I hear the, I I just, I hear the gratitude in your voice. And uh, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's probably a big part of what I'm the answer of what I'm going to ask. Like you, you guys have been through this extreme ordeal. Who, what have you discovered about yourselves? Who have you become in this journey? Mm, I, I, I've become the man that I was, that I mean, when I said I do, when I took made those vows, that's oh, amen to that. Like, yeah, I, you know uh, what? I, I have. I'm not gonna because believe me, it's it's easy to walk away. <laughs> I 
I could have, but that's he always says my warranty's uh, expired it's, <laughs> and he's ready to trade me in. No, but uh, I, you, you, when you take those vows, I, I, like I said, I grew up with, it goes back to the core of the way I was raised. And uh, I'm, uh, remember this is this, I had two failed marriages prior to this. And yeah. so I, I, it wasn't my first rodeo, but that's just me. He was like, and, I better make this one stick. No, no, you, uh, it's a love. We had a child and uh, I, it's just me. It's just a man who I am. And I'm grateful to my father for bringing me up the way he did. And uh, it sounds like this um, accident has actually made you guys more of who you were created to be. Like, it's like amplified. Mm -hmm. Like Amberly, you were sharing how, like when you were young, you were doing Krav Maga and fighting your brother and being tough and a tomboy and all that. It's like, I'm sure like at some point, you know, you grow up and sometimes you change a little bit, but it sounds like this has amplified your grit and your strength. And um, I know that you have messages that you, that you share with other people who are going through crazy tough times, you know, anxiety, fear, depression, um, whether it's an accident or whatever, um, what like rays of hope or direction do you have for people that find themselves in a condition where they think like, I I feel like I can never get out of this? Well, I think for me, when I, or anybody going through any kind of a pain or trauma, for me, it was really, I started to isolate because back to growing up, um, you know, cowgirl up and with Mm -hmm. grit and don't, don't, you know, show your vulnerability. I didn't want people to know that I was hurting or suffering or anything was wrong. I certainly did not want people to know that I had this nerve disease. Um, It made me feel, you know, less worthy and not good enough. And I had lost all my confidence. I had, I was hopeless. Um, And at moments, if you're experiencing any sort of trauma, I think we really, I'm sure you've heard the saying, we heal what we reveal. And not only did I have to take a look at what was really, truly going on in my life, I then had to have the courage to reach out to someone to get some help. And boy, that takes courage. It took every ounce of energy and bit of courage that I had to reach out and you know, you got to be willing to reach out for help, um, humble enough to, you know, admit that you've got, that you need help and then accept the help. And it's not always in ways that you would expect it. I remember reaching out for help and the people that I reached out to that didn't get back to me. Um, um, and I think that going back to about community and having a community, a big part of that is I think the reason that Johnny and I had such a great community is because, again, he had the brotherhood of the police force. He had, um, you know, they were close, closely knit. I had the relationships with my friends, but also with my clients. And I think I, at this point, needed my clients more than they needed me. I needed to have some sort of a purpose. So, I think that if there's any of your listeners that are are feeling hopeless or feeling like they're stuck and they just can't move out of the situation that they're in is to start by 
taking one small step in the direction of where you want to be. So taking, making one phone call, reaching out to one person, um, and knowing that you're not alone. For me, I realized I felt so alone in this process um, that no one, not even Johnny, I felt like couldn't possibly understand the pain that I was going through. And I kind of shut people out. And then when I started talking about it is when I realized there are so many other people that are going through exactly what, maybe not exactly what I'm going through in that moment, but there are people that have gone through and walked through tough times. And I knew if they could get through it, then so could I. And so now I'm passionate about sharing the tools that I use on a daily basis to strengthen my resilience with others and give them the gift of hope um, that was given to me. Because I feel like if we share our resources and we share our experience um, and come together, that community's powerful and we're stronger when we come together. Yeah, I mean, that is, whew, I feel like that was like a yeah. church moment there. <laughs> I, I wanna, <laughs> so Amberly, I know that, you know, we're all falling in love with with both of you and your story. And you actually have a podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? And also you have an amazing gratitude journal that you're wanting to give away for people. Yes, because, yeah, um, because gratitude changed my life. Grat- I mean, I've always been a grateful person, but when I was very intentional about gratitude and practicing a daily gratitude in my journal um, is when I really noticed that I it changed my life. Um, when you're focused on your blessings, uh, your life keeps getting better. So I do have a gratitude journal. It's a downloadable free journal um, and with journal prompts. And you can find that at amberlylago.com. It's A-M-B-E-R-L-Y-L-A-G-O.com. And holy cow, yes, I am launching my podcast next month. (laughs) So, so, I mean, I love what you guys do. You guys are pros. As you can see here um, for the listeners, Johnny and I are sharing a microphone and sharing a little headset. Well, it is Johnny's first time, so (laughs) we'll give him that. Suddenly, I get the feeling it probably won't be his last. No. Oh, yeah, honey. You're going to be a guest on my podcast. He's a natural. He's a natural. He is. He is. Thank you. But yeah, it's... I My podcast is called True Grit and Grace with Amberly Lago, and I really wanted to share stories with from others that have um, been resilient through their struggles Mm. to success and share their tangible tools and also um, drop in um, all the tools that I use on a daily basis um, to strengthen my resilience and thrive no matter what life throws your way because man, I was in survival mode for a long time and I'm just, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I really wanted to find joy and happiness and, um, this has shifted my perspective, and I just want to drop in some fun, quick podcast episodes to shift others' perspectives and make mm. their lives full of joy, too. 
Yeah. I love it. You guys, Amberly and Johnny Lago, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been yes. an amazing it's honor. It's been an honor. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you, you for, yeah, for, as you said, popping his cherry. <laughs> <laughs> and now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you, the listener, to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Honey. I think I just saw some mistletoe. Do you want to see smooch before we... I'll show you my mistletoe. Oh, jeez. I don't like that it has the word toe in it. That sounds very weird. (laughs) All right, come on. All right, so your conversation starter question is, what are some of the little moments of love and marriage that you just want to savor together? Um, it really made us think of that when, with the yeah. conversation with Amberly and Johnny, because, um, there's moments that you would really miss sure. if the other person were gone. And it's not the, it's not the really big stuff The like, Oh, we had the greatest family vacation at Disneyland ever. Like that's, that's great. And those, yeah. those are big anchors of memories that we want to have. Um, but it is, it's the tiny little things like the way Danielle sleeps with her eyes half opened. Would you miss that when I'm gone? Kind of, yeah. Oh, honey, yeah. that's so sweet and demented somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it for today's show. Hey, don't forget to grab your copy of The Seven Secrets of Legendary Marriages over at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Yes, please. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Hey, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.